Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's not often I get to say this, but this is a story that starts with the venom from a lizard and a Canadian scientist who in the 1990s made a game-changing discovery while experimenting with it. We wanted to clone the cDNAs and genes from the lizard for both the lizard XNN4 protein as well as the GLP-1 protein. It turns out that a hormone in the mouth of the Hiller monster has miraculous properties to help regulate blood sugar. And Dr. Daniel Drucker, the man with a lizard tank in his lab, was about to change the course of diabetes treatment around the world. Our next step was to try and get a live lizard to get the salivary gland from the live lizard. Ew. Ten years later, a Danish pharmaceutical company who are clearly as keen on getting close to live lizards as I am, managed to create a synthetic version of this hormone, semaglutide, making it the first medicine of its kind approved for treating type 2 diabetes. But doctors noticed that the medication had a rather useful side effect. It aided weight loss. The average weight loss in the studies was 15 to 17%. And in one-third of those patients, over 20% weight loss. With stats like that, it didn't take long for it to fuel a whole new dieting fad for the rich and famous. And now everybody in Hollywood seems to be asking the same question. Are you on Ozempic? And now everybody lying, everyone's like, a smaller portion. Like, shut the <laughs> Right, right. You're on Ozempic or one of those things. Or Wagovi or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or you yes. got work done. Like, just, just stop. And now, it's not just celebrities who are taking it. With Britain in the grip of an obesity crisis, the NHS has started to prescribe Wigovi, the sister drug to Ozempic, for weight loss. On that day that the NHS signed off Wagovi for use in the UK, the company's valuation spiked and it became the biggest company in Europe. How has a little company in Denmark changed the way people live? And are these miracle drugs really the answer? We'll ask a doctor who prescribes them. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, 
Can a miracle weight loss drug end Britain's obesity epidemic? My name is Charlotte Ivers and I'm a columnist and a staff writer for The Sunday Times. And Charlotte, you've just been to a little town in Denmark. Talk us through it. What is it like when you arrive and what were you doing there? Well, this is a suburb of Copenhagen called Bagsfed. And essentially, it's pretty quiet. It's pretty sleepy. I spent most of my day in central Copenhagen saying to people, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to have a big, exciting night out. And everyone laughed at me. It's not where you go for a night out. It's not where you go for a night out. But if you were to go for a night out, I would recommend Cocktail Barin, which is the one bar in this little suburb, as far as I could tell. And <laughs> I went inside and... It was very sleepy. It's had a um, fruit machine. It had a pool table. Very few people in there. A couple of nice men in their 60s drinking at the bar. And they started talking to me. And I told them that I was here to talk about this drug company called Novo Nordisk. And immediately I had this big flash of recognition from this man, Henrik, who I was speaking to. And he'd lived there all his life. And he started telling me, well, in his words, everything is Novo. Everything here is... Everything in this them. town, everything in this suburb. He said they built that road, they planted those trees. He said when it snows, the only place that doesn't have snow is around Novo Nordisk on the land they own because they've got so much money they can afford to get rid of it. And he just was celebrating them as this huge and significant factor that had made this suburb and that brought in all the money that had funded the existence of this place he'd lived all his life. And I told him that the next day I was going to go and have a look at their land. And he, again, was just completely effusive. He told me I'd have to see it to believe it. He was waving my notebook at me saying, you're going to need a bigger notebook when you go because it's just so vast. And I went the next day and he was completely right. It is absolutely vast. And tell us about Novo Nordisk. Why were you so interested in in going to see their headquarters? Novo Nordisk are a pharmaceutical company and they've done bits and pieces of other work through the years. But for the hundred years that they've existed, their primary focus has been on diabetes, on managing and curing diabetes. Mm. And that's a pretty big industry. There are 415 million people worldwide estimated to have type 2 diabetes. So that's a a decent cash cow. So it's fair to say they were doing pretty well. And then in 2018, they produced a drug called Azempic. And that was really good at treating people with type 2 diabetes. It's approved on the NHS. It's approved in the US. It's approved in Europe. And they were performing incredibly well as a result of that. Mm. Then something else happened, which is that the patients who are taking this started to notice that they were losing weight. And suddenly, Azempic started being prescribed off-label for private patients who wanted to pay and who wanted to take this drug as a weight loss drug. So not not for diabetes, just entirely for weight loss. Entirely for weight loss. And Novo Nordisk don't like this. And they don't like this because it's bad PR for them, essentially, because there is a limited amount of this drug available. There's so much demand for it and nobody can build factories fast enough to keep up with that demand. So we were seeing shortages for 
actual patients with actual diabetes because the demand for this drug was so high. In fact, over the summer, the UK government implemented an export ban on Azempic in order to try and keep as much in the country as possible. The demand was just absolutely vast. So you've got this miracle drug. It's a miracle drug on one front the company approves of, one that they're not happy about. So Nova Nordisk knew this and as a result, they produced another drug, one called Wigovi. And this one is specifically for weight loss and is a very similar drug to Azempic in many ways. They're both semaglutides. And what a semaglutide is, is a drug which creates the same response within your body as your body would naturally create when it's full. So at the start of September, this was approved by the NHS for use in the United Kingdom for people with a BMI over 35 or people with a BMI over 30 who are involved in some other form of NHS weight loss programme. So that's probably someone with a comorbidity. They might have diabetes, they might have heart problems. So even the NHS at this stage is giving it to people not just for diabetes, but for weight loss. So this specifically is with Govi, which is a weight loss drug. Azempic is not being given to people for weight loss by the NHS. That's diabetes only. But if you're a private patient, you're happy to pay you can get what you want if you can get hold of it, given the shortages. And with Ozempic, I mean, it's the sort of thing you'd think you would only have heard of if you had diabetes. This should be quite niche. As you say, it's suddenly become very famous for its weight loss properties. When did you first hear about it? It was probably over the summer because there was this sudden slew of celebrities saying that they had tried Ozempic. David Aranovich wrote a column about it in The Times. Jeremy Clarkson as well wrote about the fact that he was taking it in The Times. And you also have Boris Johnson, who had a go at using it, Zempic. He says... And the moment he could write a column. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think this might have been the first column that he wrote once he was freed. So I presume his editors at the Daily Mail were hoping for some huge intervention on British politics. But actually, what they got instead was him writing about his experiences with this new <laughs> wonder drug. And he used it for a bit. He then found it was making him feel quite sick. So he backed away from it. Elon Musk, I think as well, has admitted to publicly taking it. And then you hear rumours, don't you? You hear rumours about other celebrities who may or may not be taking as Empic. And one of the reasons, I suppose, it's been mainly celebrities until now is because it seems to be quite expensive. It is. The good news if, well, I, sh- I shouldn't encourage irresponsible off-label use of this medicine, but it's an awful lot cheaper in the UK than it is in the US. You'd be looking at about £1,000 a month in the US, whereas in the UK it's more around the 100 £200. Pounds a month. Exactly. But people do seem to be using it. It's very hard to know how many people are using it. You don't get numbers from the company on their sales. That's not something they put out. Outside estimates reckon that... It is somewhere around 1.5 million units sold per month. Well, that's in July of this year in the UK, 12 million in the US. Vast majority of those will be diabetes patients, I expect. I don't think it's possible to tell how many are using that for weight loss, but it does seem to be the case that most people are using it for the intended purpose just because it's pretty hard to get hold of if you aren't. And how do they take it? It's an injection. I believe it's a weekly injection. This is something that 
a lot of pharmaceutical companies are working on to try and get it into a tablet form because, of course, if you get it into a tablet form, that is a lot easier to store, a lot easier to transport. Much more appealing to. Much more appealing to, exactly. <laughs> if you don't like a needle. So it's clearly doing hugely well. Every celebrity seems to want to get their hands on it. It's selling out. We're having to put an export ban on it in, in the UK because of shortages. What does all of that mean for the people who produce it? Take us back to Novo Nordisk. When you went to visit them, I mean, um, what did they say about it? Novo Nordisk wouldn't speak to me. Well, they, they confirmed a couple of questions that I asked them, but they are pretty secretive. But I mean, the impact for this company has been absolutely huge. So on that day that the NHS signed off Wagovi for use in the UK, the company's valuation spiked and it became the biggest company in Europe that's overtaking LVMH, the luxury goods company. And at that point, that valuation was bigger than the whole of Denmark's annual GDP. The valuation at the close of trading on that day was £343 billion. But yes, this one company's valuation bigger than the whole rest of the annual GDP of that economy put together. amazing. They are eclipsing the rest of the country. So this is a huge company. It's suddenly become the biggest in Europe. And to be honest, until recently, most of us wouldn't have heard of it. So just take us back. It's only 100 years old. What is the history? How does the company come into being? As you say, Novo Nordisk is just over 100 years old. I think it was 1922 where you would probably point to as the point where this company actually started. And it came from a couple. It came from a love story, really. Oh, so you had this, we love a company that comes from a love story. We love a love story, exactly. I found this utterly delightful. I went with Hanne Sinbach, who was the woman who wrote a couple of books about Novo Nordisk. And we went to see the laboratory where it all started, this little kind of crumbling laboratory with a flat above it in the centre of Copenhagen, which of course is now not used by Novo Nordisk at all. You couldn't fit 1% of their workforce in this place. But there was this couple, a brilliant young couple. And the man was a Nobel Prize winner. His name was August Krog. And he had this wife, Marie. She was herself incredibly impressive, one of the first women in Denmark to receive a doctorate. And it was all going so well for them. They had the world at their feet. And then Marie got incredibly sick. She became diabetic. And there was pretty much no way of treating that at the time. So she was sort of wasting away. Then they heard this rumour that in Canada, there had been this miracle cure discovered that insulin, which is naturally occurring, had been isolated from an animal and that it could then be transferred into people. So they went, they went to Canada, they found the insulin and used it on Marie. She began to get better. And then they brought it back. And in this tiny laboratory in the centre of Copenhagen, where they lived above the shop, they started to process it and they started to try and make it into a synthetic form, which could be distributed, that could be used more widely. And I think it it only took them a few months before the first Danish life was saved. It was a, a young working class girl. And from there, they set up the company. And 100 years later, the same company still is working on diabetes. I mean, that's incredible because anybody who is diabetic will know somebody who is, you know, will we'll know that insulin is just is just the way you treat it. So does all of that come from this couple and from the start of Novo Nordisk? 
Exactly. So it was always about diabetes. And there's a fascinating history to this company. So at the time, this company was just called Nordisk. And in, I believe, the mid-20th century, there was an offshoot. There were a few splitters, essentially, who went to set up their own company called Novo. And Nordisk was very high-minded. Augusta Marie's idea was that this should only ever be done for the good of humanity and that they shouldn't be turning a profit. And I believe that was the terms under which they got given the right to produce insulin, this idea that it should always be done for the good of humanity. Wow. These guys who went to... This is a very different version of Big Pharma. It is. Well, then you had the guys who wanted to go and form Novo and they thought, no, I think we should make some money. So for a while, you had these two competing companies and they joined back together again. There was a merger in the late 20th century and that's where Novo Nordis came from. So how does it go from a company that produces insulin, tries to treat diabetes to something which has now become, and I believe it's called locally, the empire of fat? Really, it's an accident. It was all about treating diabetes. Zempic is a diabetes drug. The fact that this also meant people lost weight was, in a way, a side effect. And then Wagovi, of course, was created as a response to the fact that they clearly unlocked quite a significant demand by this accident. And, you know, as you said before, it was sort of Ozempic being bought by celebrities. But now, you know, Wegovi is available on the NHS. A lot of ministers have really talked up what it's going to do for the NHS. I mean, what is the great hope? The great hope, I suppose, is that this allows people to lose weight and therefore not need healthcare as a result of their obesity-related illnesses. We know that that is a major strain on the NHS in many cases. And yes, there is some hope among some of the more optimistic parts of the Department of Health that this could really, really take a lot of pressure off the NHS, which is only going to grow as the population ages. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Coming up, are Zempic and Wigovi really miracle drugs? Do they guarantee weight loss? And could they be the answer for the NHS? We'll hear from a doctor who's prescribing them. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Dr. Amir Khan. I'm an NHS GP and a broadcaster. And Dr. Khan, you've taken a real interest in looking at weight loss solutions over the years. Just talk us through that. So my background as a GP is someone with a special interest in type 2 diabetes and managing patients who are living with type 2 diabetes. Where I work in inner city Bradford, we've got uh, a disproportionately high number of people with not just type 2 diabetes, but other obesity related conditions like cardiovascular disease and certain cancers. So in my role looking after this community, I've I'm really interested in getting people's weight down to a healthy level, but in a sustainable way. And you've mentioned other diseases and other illnesses that sort of come with obesity sometimes there. I mean, just talk us through how much of a problem obesity has become for the country at large and for the NHS. Lots of people describe obesity as an epidemic, and it is. It's a chronic illness that affects a large proportion of both adults and children. And it goes right back into our genetics, to our food behaviour as as young people and children, right up and through our adulthood. And lots of people think it's a, it's a simple condition where you just have to eat less and move more, but it isn't that simple. There's a lot of psychological elements to it, and getting people living with obesity to healthy weights is a long-term process. Same as if we were managing any long-term condition. It's Mm. repeated appointments that need a lot of support through a process which leads to good health. And it, it does exacerbate other conditions. Totally. The obvious ones are things like insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. People who are overweight are more at risk of that. People who are overweight are higher risk of cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, kidney disease, eye disease, mental health conditions, joint problems, cancers. The list goes on and on and on, really. And that is how it impacts the NHS. So when people come to you in your surgery and they are clinically obese, what are their clinical options? It's always an individualised approach. Time is always limited when you're in an NHS appointment. When I'm doing my diabetic clinic, I have a little bit more time with them. And that's when we start to unpick it. And I look at the barriers to them in terms of what is stopping them from making the changes they need to make to get healthier. And we focus on health rather than weight. And for some people, that will be a financial barrier. Some people, it will be a mental health barrier. They don't have the motivation because of depression and anxiety. And other people, it may be an educational barrier in that they don't quite know what to do to lose weight. Depending on where they are on their obesity levels, we can refer them to weight management services. We have different tiers, and that's tier three, where if their BMI is very high above 35 and they've got weight-related health conditions, they can be referred to see a specialist. And they could consider things like these weight loss injections alongside nutrition and movement. Surgery may be an option for them as well. But people with lower BMIs, we work together with a dietitian, a nutritionist, perhaps even a social prescriber. It's a multidisciplinary disciplinary team approach to overcome the barriers. And the key thing is small changes regularly. And you mentioned there the weight loss injections that at the moment are only being prescribed to people who are who have the highest BMI. Mm. 
tell us a bit about those because we've been looking at the, the company behind Wigovi and Ozempic, which are being hailed as miracle drugs. Just talk us through how they actually work. What do they do to your body? So the way they work is when you eat a meal that has carbohydrates in it, there are hormones in our gut called incretin hormones that go from the gut once they realise there's carbohydrates coming or sugar coming into the blood and tell the pancreas to start producing insulin so it can meet that sugar as it enters the blood, break it down and take it away for storage so you don't get big sugar spikes. And what these injections do is they are a synthetic version of one of those incretin hormones. So they stimulate your pancreas to produce insulin and bring your sugar down. What they also do is slow down the movement of food in your gut so you stay fuller for longer and have less cravings. So people on this medication tend to be less hungry and eat less. Now, they are being hailed as miracle drugs. They're not. They're yeah. a medication which needs to be prescribed and supervised alongside other weight loss measures. So I have patients who I give this to for their diabetes and they're fully expecting to come back having lost weight, but they haven't made the other changes that they need to make alongside these injections. So That's intriguing. So yeah. on their own, they don't work. They don't work, no, because yes, they might switch off your hunger hormone so you're less hungry, but a big part of why we eat isn't necessary hunger. It might be psychological, anxiety, depression, low mood, boredom, habitual. So if you're not making those changes as well, you're not going to lose weight in the same way. That's so interesting. So you've seen people on these injections who still aren't really having their weight yeah. isn't being affected by yeah. them. Have you seen any side effects? Are there side effects to any of these drugs? Yeah, there's side effects to any drugs. With these drugs, the uh, most common side effects, because this food lingering in your gut for longer, you can feel bloated, you can feel nauseous, it can affect your, your bowel habits. Rarer side effects, and these are rare, but remember we're stimulating the pancreas through these synthetic hormones, so it can have a detrimental effect on your pancreas. In some cases, it can cause inflammation of the pancreas, pancreatitis. Very rarely, it can affect the kidneys and cause kidney failure. So there are serious potential side effects, which are incredibly rare. And I've got to say, I haven't seen those very rare ones. Where can you get these drugs at the moment? Who has access to them? On the NHS, you can only get these drugs if you're a type 2 diabetic. You might be able to get them uh, through your GP or a clinical nurse who's got a specialist interest in diabetes. But if you want it for weight only, you have to be referred to a weight management programme. Your GP can't prescribe them for weight alone at the moment. And for people who are prescribed it, and if it is working for them, how long do they have to be on either of those drugs for, for them to carry on being successful? Yeah, the guidance is a minimum of three to six months. A lot of people are on it for one to two years and all through that process. And this is this is where it can go wrong. If you're getting it from a private clinic or if you're getting it online and you're just paying for it, you don't have the support to go along with it. Because if you don't make the changes, you come off the drugs, the weight comes back on. Do you know how much people who are buying this privately, how much they're paying per month? It can be anything between 50 and £100. Pounds. It's not cheap, but it's not very expensive either. And for those people who are looking for a quick fix, I mean, if you go online, you get it very easily. And people are using it 
uh, at a higher dosage than recommended, at a higher frequency than recommended. I've seen things on Instagram and TikTok where people who are clearly not overweight but have a holiday coming up in a couple of weeks are using an injection after every meal, where generally wow. it should be once a week. And that is being portrayed as the thing to do with these injections and that that isn't right you know these drugs should be for people who need them now i understand if you're if you're struggling with your weight and you want something but there should be some kind of regulation that the right people are getting them even in private clinics because i have had patients tell me with what i would consider you know rather than being obese or morbidly obese just being overweight they're able to go online, type in a few things, and they can get as many of these injections as they want. Whereas my patients are struggling to get them for their diabetes. And a lot of people are trying to access them on the NHS. The NHS, as you say, is struggling to meet the demand. But do you think these drugs, Wigovi and Ozempic, are they our best bet at the moment in tackling the obesity crisis? Are they our best bet in kickstarting part of that response? I think they're good drugs and I think they, they should be used with people who are living with obesity. I think that is right because they work to reduce weight and it can trigger off that motivation you referred that to there in terms of nutrition and movement and sleep, all of which contribute to, to a healthy weight. And I think in the long run, it will save the NHS money. But we should also be focusing on the quality of life of these people. When you're living with chronic obesity, you have a really poor quality of life. You can't move as well as other people can. You're often on lots of medication, which can exacerbate side effects. And giving these drugs to improve the quality of life of these individuals, I think, is a really positive thing. And it's one way to tackle obesity in those already living with it. But we've got to tackle the root causes of obesity. And that goes back to supporting young families in their kind of the early years, uh, which has all been taken away recently. And things like tackling marketing of processed food and access to processed food and prices, food prices. People should be eating real food rather than processed food, but that's expensive. Those are the kind of things we really need to focus on. All of that feels like we're disconnected from all of those things. And, and that is what's resulting in the UK having one of the highest obesity rates in the world. But really, as with anything with medicine, prevention is better than a cure. And we've got to focus on preventing people getting to that unhealthy weight in the first place. And Charlotte, for you, having been up close and seen seen the effect it's having on Danish society and seeing the effect it's having around the world, really. What did you make of it as you left Denmark? I think it's a fascinating story, but I, I don't know where I stand on it. If it makes people healthier, I suppose, then who could be against it? Denmark is, by modern standards, a pretty healthy society. People cycle, people walk, people eat fairly fresh food. And so this is a company built on exports. There is not a huge domestic market. It's mainly about the US. The UK market is growing. And yes, it, it does seem to me mildly ironic that this city where I didn't see a single person smoking. I didn't really have any unhealthy food while I was there. The only chocolate bars in the shops that looked unhealthy were the ones with English writing on them. <laughs> so it, it is rather odd that this is where it has all come from.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, columnist and staff writer for The Sunday Times, Charlotte Ivers, and GP and broadcaster, Dr. Amir Khan. If you're a subscriber, you can follow Charlotte's writing, including her recent night out at a bingo rave in Liverpool. Honestly, it's quite the experience. The producer today was Priyanka Delardia. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by Tom Birchall. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or on any other issue in the news. Do get in touch with us. Our email is storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.